welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I am Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I'm glad to get a few moments of your time today. I'm sharing today on the struggles that we can have as parents when we have times that we need to correct our children. And I know too many times we can find ourselves harshly just reacting and not even thinking through how we're going to address the situation or talk to them before we just lash out at them. And before I get started, I want you to know that you can read this post fully online. I do share quite a bit more here in the podcast though, because it gives me the opportunity to think of things that I didn't share in the post and I can add a little bit more. Plus you're going to get a bonus and I'm going to share a really ugly story from my past in here that seems to be the most memorable in the lives of my children and my times of correcting them. And I'm hoping we can kind of learn from it. (laughs) That's my hope. I don't want to just share it to be an ugly story. So So guys, as believers, we know the damage that sin does in our lives and in our homes. And we also know that we live with people, we live with children and husbands who also battle with sin, and they're going to sin against us. And an area that can be really challenging as parents is when our kids need correcting. My children were raised a good portion of their lives by parents who did not know Jesus. And I've shared this before in my um, testimony, if you read it online, about my abortion. We came to faith later in life, and our desire was really just to raise good moral kids who were well-mannered and successful in life, really. So I was chatting before I get into it here deeply, I was chatting with my daughter on the phone the other day about this post when I was putting it together, and she had some good encouragement for me that helped me, that she said she could not, I, I won't tell her age, but she's married with three children now, so she's been away from home for a bit, so she is a little older, but that she couldn't honestly remember any times of me yelling at her when I corrected her, and I, I this obviously stuck in my mind more than hers because I can remember a lot of times feeling like I really failed in my correcting and I just reacted instead of thinking through the situation and how I could um, respond in a right way to my children to encourage them. So right now, I'm grateful for that, that it did stick in my mind more than hers. And I'm so thankful for God's grace in our lives. That is the best gift. I'm grateful for his forgiveness for those times that I did respond wrongly and sinfully. But I do want to share this really awful incident so you know that I I do understand where a lot of you are coming from, but I probably repent for this thing yearly. I don't need to. I need to remember I am forgiven. My kids have forgiven me, but it really was ugly. So it was a time that I went shopping with um, my kids, and I don't, we were probably like at a Walmart or something, and they have those containers with those cheap balls for like a dollar in it, those plastic balls, you know, not a big deal, tons of variety of colors and stuff. And, you know, it was something that probably cost a dollar back then. I I honestly don't remember the full details, but my son, who is my younger child, he must have been acting up. And I need to tell you this before I move forward. And 
I feel like I could cry when I'm telling this story. It's really awful. But okay, I'm going to pull myself back together here. All right, I was not a believer. And the next part I'm going to share with you is U-G-L-Y in all capital letters. Ugly, ugly, ugly. So by the time we got home, and again, I don't know the details. I don't even know what I was mad about. I don't even know what he did. But I was so angry. I took the ball from my little Joshua, who was probably, I don't even know, five or six maybe. I'm not even sure. Um, I got the ball, got out of the car, and I popped it right in front of him. I was so mad. My poor daughter, like she remembers sitting there holding her ball and kind of looking at Josh, and then she felt kind of bad. She's like, what do I do? Like, I still have my ball, and how do I handle this? It was not a good moment, and it's one of my most memorable discipline failures, really, in my life as a mom. Um, At the time, I'm a non-believer, but I'm still, as I remembered back, even as a non-believer, it really made me feel bad and think about how obviously it impacted my kids. Um, So my kiddos may not remember all my failures, but that one stands out to them. It was obviously impactful. And we honestly, when we talk about it, like even my daughter and I, when we bring this up on the phone the other day, we can laugh about it now. But in the moment, it really was not funny and it was sinful and it was not honoring to God. Not even that I was thinking that at that time in my life because I didn't think anything about God at that time in my life. But I'm sharing this story really for the, the so you understand that I know what you're dealing with if, and many of you maybe aren't even dealing with this, you're like, what is this woman talking about? But if you're dealing with sinful anger, I understand where you're coming from, especially in the way of correcting our children. Um, We're not alone in this. And the better part is if we're in Christ, we're not left on our own to deal with this. I I am not alone anymore in my struggle. The Lord desires to help us in gently, lovingly, and graciously correcting our children. So we're going to work through this together today. And again, if you want to read through the post, you can find the link to that in the show notes. But you're getting a little more bonus material on the podcast here, so just so you know that. But at least you have that post to refer back to. So as we came to know Jesus as parents, my husband and I, you begin to see your own sinful struggles, right? I think it became harder in those moments to correct our children because now I couldn't just react like I did in the ball incident. I couldn't do that. Um, I needed to deal with my sinful anger and I needed to think about the hearts of my children. See, pride can set in and we can want others to think more highly of us than they ought. And our children can be a huge place of pride in our lives. We can put standards and demands on them that they're never going to be able to live up to. And I've done this in the lives of my children. I mean, when you're out somewhere, maybe you're visiting family or you're at a store or now, you know, we're at church. We want our, we want our kids, it's almost like we're determining the behavior of our kids sheds light on our parenting. So we're, we're really, we're putting our kids in a position that they really cannot live up to, nor are they called to live up to. So this pride and the standards and demands that we put on that come out of our pride, I, you know, I go back and I think I could, I wish I could have so many do-overs in the lives of my children um, because too often I would be more worried about not having them act up and be an embarrassment to me around in public. And in those moments, I could find myself either not dealing with the correction or I would correct harshly 
and very quickly. And as most of us mamas know, we kind of have that look that we give our kids and it's probably not, it could be a pretty angry look at times, but all you have to do is put that face on and your kids know what you're thinking and either that they're in trouble when they get home or when they get in the car or whatever that may be. So I didn't always respond in a way that put the needs of my child first at that moment, but I put my own reputation first and how I looked. And as believers, we need to lay that down because that's just our ugly pride and we don't even need to go there. Again, it's ugly. When I did that, it didn't bring me any benefit, but even more so, there was no benefit to my child. I didn't offer grace. I didn't show kindness or love to them as I've been loved in Christ. God sees us and he loves us amid the big mess that we are. And he corrects our hearts through the loving discipline of his word. Listen, I'm just seeing my child's outward behavior. If I'm reacting that way to their outward behavior, how are they ever going to trust me to show me their inward behavior? I mean, think of us with our people that we're close with, that we really share our hearts with, is those that we can trust knowing that they're going to filter that through and help us and guide us and point us back to truth in a way that is kind and gentle. I'm not going to share um, the inward parts of my heart with someone that I don't think is going to care for it well. That's just a reality of who we are. So as a parent, now as a believing parent in Christ, I'm not alone in this. I have the helper. I have the Holy Spirit with me. I have God's word hidden in my heart so I won't sin against him. So some questions I began to ask myself were, have I started my day with time in the word and prayer? Am I learning to rely on the Lord for strength and guidance to respond rightly in all situations? Am I pausing and praying before I respond? See, too often we can find ourselves caught up in only focusing on our child's sinful action or behavior that we don't see the bigger picture. I mean, how often, and I'm going to share this because it's kind of funny, because as my kids got older and they were in the teen years, and I could find myself just beginning to lecture them, and I, I know I probably lost them in the whole lecture, and I could I could take a step back and look at them and go... I'm doing it again, aren't I? And they're like, yeah, because I'm not even listening to them. I'm just speaking what I feel I need to say, and I'm not even taking the time to hear them. And I am not saying that this does not mean we do not discipline our children, because listen, we are called to correct our children. That's clear in Proverbs 22, 15, but we don't want to crush our children. I want you to look up Proverbs 15, 13 there on that one. My words are not going to be gentle and kind if I've not taken the time to pray before responding. Because we can find ourselves out in public, maybe feeling embarrassed, you know, maybe the way they act up at a grocery store or they throw a tantrum or whatever that is, or also by the behavior in our homes, we can get angry because their disobedience is really an inconvenience and it's causing us extra time to have to deal with it. Raising children takes much time, but every moment is so worth it. It is not easy to correct our children and point them to Christ and the gospel, and it's not always fun, but when we just put it off or we neglect dealing with it, we're not helping them. Wherever we find ourselves, this is this is what I want us to remember. If nothing else from this post I, or this podcast and, and post, I need you to remember this, that we need to pause and pray and ask the Lord to help us rightly respond. So pause and pray in that moment. There is always time to pause and there's always time to pray. 
Ephesians 4.29 reminds us, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So we're called in Ephesians 4.29 to respond with words that give grace, encourage, build up. And this includes those really hard moments when our kids are being sinfully disobedient. They do not need, they need, I'm sorry, they do need, let me correct that again, they do need to be pointed back in the right direction, lovingly and firmly at times. But firm doesn't mean harsh. We can be firm and direct and loving at the same time. It is a continual learning in our lives of how to use our words wisely, to be able to communicate truth in a way that the Lord may use to possibly reach their hearts. And that reminder is always, whether it's our children or our husbands or our friends, I'm not responsible for their reaction on how they receive it, but on how we deliver it. And our motives matter here too. Our motives are a big one that we need to search our hearts, ask the Lord to search our hearts because we're not really very good at it sometimes. We can be held, um, we can think of ourselves and justify ourselves and our motives and our motives are a problem because our motives are usually self-centered and about self. So that's an area we need to seek out because if my motives to correct are focused on my pride or my being inconvenienced, then it's not going to come out in a way that's going to be in the spirit of Ephesians 4.29. But if I've taken the time to seek the Lord and pray before I respond, my chances of correcting them in a way that points them to Christ are going to be much better than if I just reacted to the situation. You know, it's also a help here to think through ladies ahead of time, how you should respond when there's areas that you know you are correcting your children repeatedly. Maybe I'm just given a general scenario here. Maybe it's them wanting an item at the grocery store and you have to deal with a meltdown when you say no, and this happens every single time you go to the store. So how can you work through this ahead of time before you go to the store? How can you address the behavior rightly in the store if it does happen? Thinking these matters through ahead of time can be a real big help to guide your response. It's not wrong to plan these things. I think of how many times as parents, we, you know, whether we're in the car and we're going to someone's house, we lay out our expectations and hopes of our children, how they'll behave in a certain location or what we're doing. Or maybe I know we're going to a friend's house and they're, they hate leaving and they're going to cry. So we talk about that. And then we talk about what the consequences will be if they do do that. And we work that through ahead of time. So the child already knows what to expect and what's going to happen if they don't behave in a certain manner. And you also already have a way to work that through in the moment of that situation when it happens. You have a plan of action and that immediately will help you to respond rightly because you are prepared. So because when these issues do come up, it's usually just a matter of seconds we're talking about here, mamas. But those seconds can have a considerable impact in the lives of our children. So again, think to yourself before you respond to pause Take a deep breath. I'm not talking about yoga meditation here. I'm just saying pause and take a breath <laughs> and pray. Two simple actions that literally take a moment but can give you wise words that are covered in gentleness, grace, and love. When we're praying to the Lord and seeking his wisdom, James tells us that if anyone seeks wisdom to ask the Lord, we need to be asking the Lord for wisdom in that moment. In his book, it's called um, Parenting the 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. Paul David Tripp reminds us, he says, 
Self-righteously pointing out the sin of others never works. It is offensive and condescending, and it will close down the hearts of your children. Ask God to give you the grace to come to them to talk to them about their sin as a person who is much more grieved by the sin that is inside you than the sin that is inside them. When you come this way, your tenderness and humility becomes a workroom for God to do in the heart of your child what you can't do. End quote there. There is much grace and forgiveness when we mess up, and we are not going to do this perfectly. And I'm not giving us an excuse to sin here. There's never a reason or an excuse to sin. But in, in, in Christ, we are freed from our sin. We don't have to be held in that bondage anymore. But the truth is that I've seen my own sinful failures, and I know that the Lord can work all things for good. I know Romans 8.28 is true because I've seen it worked out in my life in hard situations and things where initially I might see nothing redeemable in them, but God did work good in them. Paul David Tripp also says, No one gives grace better than a parent who humbly admits that he desperately needs it himself. God does work all things for good to those who love him. Can good come from our sin? There's much growth that I know that comes with working with the Lord to battle our sin. We continue to grow and mature, and God continues to sanctify as we work along with Him in that role of progressive sanctification where we work alongside the Lord. And our kids are going to see a mom who looks to Jesus for her strength and forgiveness. They're going to see a mom who desires not to sin against them and hates and does battle with her sin. They're also going to see a mom who is honest about her sinful struggles. They'll see a mom who loves and desires to please Jesus and who desires not to sin against them, but to love them as Christ has loved her. They'll see a mom who is imperfect. But the hope and my prayer is that they're going to see the great love that she has for the God she serves who is perfect. And as I say there, I hope that they will see Jesus. And the hope is the Lord will continue to help us to be moms and grandmothers and aunts and spiritual mothers who point others to Jesus every day amid these times of correction. These are providential opportunities from the Lord to share the good news of the gospel and remind them of the great need for a Savior. Ladies, we can trust in God's good presence and power at work in our lives today and in the lives of our children. And as I end here always, Jesus is enough. So thank you for your time today. And again, the full post here is at the blog and the show notes. And um, friends, if you have enjoyed the podcast, I so appreciated all of you. It's just getting found because of your wonderful reviews and ratings and taking the time to do that. I'm so thankful for that. And if you haven't yet and you um, feel led to leave a review, I'd love you to do that and so appreciate it. And while you're there in your little podcast app, just hit that subscribe button. I can't even speak here. Hit that subscribe button wherever you listen in, and that way you won't miss an episode. And our next episode is going to be the final one in the Spiritual Discipline series on fasting. And then I think I'm going to go to this new model of, for the most part, writing a blog post and recording it into a podcast Um just seems to be the best way I can make use of my time, your time, and my resources at the blog. So, and again, so we don't forget, I still have a resource for the week to share with you. And this week, it's a website that I spent a lot of time on. 
I listen to his podcasts. I read his articles. I share his articles. I like to ask questions in the forum in difficult situations. And it's called rickthomas.net. So it's rickthomasaltogether.net. He's not the magician. If you Google it, you need to Google it again and find rickthomas.net. Rick is a biblical counselor and his tagline on his blog says, helping people live effective lives. And a little more of a description there is he says, they help leaders lead and Christians to disciple well. So whether you are leading one person, your immediate family, an organization, or a whole church, we want to help however we can. This site, ladies, it is a favorite for really my whole family, and I love um, I love the marriage articles. Those are some of my favorites for myself and to share with others. I glean a lot from Rick, so I'll put a link to his um, website in the show notes, but again, it was rickthomasaltogether.net, N-E-T. So have a very blessed week, my dear friends.